discourage us from wanting to keep down that path. I've often wondered why that is the case. Why when we're seeking God, things sometimes tend to get tough. And I think that normally when we are seeking God, we're seeking Him for something. We want something from God, an answer to a prayer or something to change in our life, a breakthrough or something to change in someone else's life. And it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a great thing that we do seek God for things in our lives. And honestly, it doesn't really matter what we're praying for. It could be anything. But here's the thing. What we're praying for isn't nearly as important to God as the person praying for them. I want to say that again because I, I think it's, it's important for us to understand this. What we pray for, the things that we're praying for are not nearly as important to God as the person praying for them in the first place. God is most concerned about us as individuals. And the truth is, we're all imperfect, all of us. And the consequences of sin, whether it's in our own life or even the effect of other people's sin in our lives, separate us from experience the fullness of God that he intended for us to have. He wants us to be whole and to be healed, not lacking anything. And so when we seek God, I truly believe that while our attention is focused on Him and there's this intensity in our relationship in focusing on God and we're open to God, that He will use that opportunity to bring up some stuff in our lives for the purpose of healing because He's more concerned about us the person praying, than he is about the things that we're praying for. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is an incredible promise from God. He knows the plans that he has for us plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope and to give us a future. And that scripture alone is amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing promise of God. But in honesty, it's not the full story. You know, if we only read that line, we miss the greater, script, the, the greater context of that scripture and really just how beautiful the promise of God is. Jeremiah 29, 4 to 14 says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now this is talking to the people who have been exiled under Nebuchadnezzar. They've, they've been taken away from their homeland. He says to them, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. 
Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. When 70 years are completed for Babylon. 70 years. Could you imagine how you would feel if you were praying for something and God said, yes, but in 70 years. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, which was the promised land. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. It's an amazing promise. For God to know the plans that he has for us is one thing, but the promise to restore us back to from where we were taken, to restore us to our original intended place is an incredible promise he says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and as Ben mentioned earlier quite often the first thing that happens when we start to seek God is we get distracted and all of these things pop up in our life to stop us from focusing on what we are really really here to do And that is to worship our God, our creator, the one and only. You know, I've shared a lot of times, maybe too many times, (laughs) over the past few years about, you know, some of the struggles that I have been going through personally. And what is funny, not really funny, but what is funny in hindsight is that some of the issues that I have that came up a couple of years ago were also issues that had come up in other times in my life. And in other times in my life, I had managed to get by. You know, something, I'd managed to change something or, you know, if it was something to do with work, I'd get a new job or if it was someone in my life that, you know, that was, you know, hurting me or whatever, then I would just, you know, leave them behind and I would, you know, move on. You know, lots and lots of different situations had happened in my life that all relate really to the same sort of thing. And so it was about two years ago when we started our six weeks of prayer. Everyone remember that? It's when we put the, the prayer wall up and we were here. We did 24 hours of prayer one time. It was pretty ambitious. And, you know, we were here every week praying and praying. And I remember um, being here in the... Um, <laughs> I just snorted it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember being here in the in the middle, in the third week. We were praying on Wednesday nights. I remember being here on the third week. And I remember that week was when I'd been praying for something specific from the beginning. By week three, I remember it felt like a bomb had gone off in my life. There were all, there were all these things that happened that all kind of, you know, resonated with the, the, the issues and the feeling that I was having. And really, 
what I thought was the issue when I started to seek God ended up not really being the issue at all. And those of you who have been through things like this, I'm sure you can, you can relate. What I thought was the issue in the beginning was not really the issue at all. The issue was me. And I was praying for someone else to change. It wasn't Larissa, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> She's perfect. Um, it wasn't the other person. It was me. And you know, the, the difficult thing in praying for other people is that because God's more concerned about the person praying than he is about what we're praying for, then there were things in my life that were distracting me and holding me back. It was bringing up all of these emotions and frustrations that I was finding really hard to deal with. And I was praying for something or someone to change. But what changed was me. And I know that through this process that God wanted me to be free from those feelings of not being valued or not being heard or not being understood. And it's true that those feelings were there at the time. But I thought it was because the other person needed to see those things in me. But really what needed to change was that I needed to see them in myself. Because that's how God sees me. I needed God to break this thing in my life that held me captive to wanting value from other people. And if you've ever been in that position where you are seeking the value of people, you will always end up empty. And frustrated and hurt and ultimately it affects your relationship with God because it just doesn't seem to make sense God wanted freedom for me and through that I am happy to say that two years not 70 thank God but two years on from that journey things have dramatically changed and what has changed most is what I started praying about, what I wanted, what I thought would fix the issue, has become so insignificant. Because really the issue was about me and about how I valued myself. And what I've learned is that God wants me to be whole and healed. He doesn't care about the circumstances that I was in. What he cares about is that I can see myself as God sees me. And of course, I'm not perfect. But I know the things that held me captive back then no longer have that hold over me. I am free. I have been set free by the power of God. Because I seek, I seeked, sought after, I sought after God. And let me tell you, the last two years, I have had to, out of obedience to the process of seeking God, I've had to deal with some tough things. I've had to face some hard truths in my life. I have had to knock off, you know, some of the rough and tough things that have stuck on me, either through my own sin or through the sin of others that have impacted in my life. And it's tough. And when you're in that journey, it does feel like it's never going to end. But the one thing that has not changed is that I have remained faithful to the process I have not lost hope. 
that God is bigger than any of my circumstances. And every day is a new day. And when I let go of what I thought needed to happen and just took every day as it was and was obedient to what I felt God putting in front of me, things changed. And the best thing of all, the thing that changed was my perspective on life, not other people's perspective of me. And honestly, without going into any detail out of respect for that person, they're not here at church either, I will say that. It's not my wife, it's no one here. But... But that person's perspective of me has not changed. The way they look at me, the way they treat me, the things that they have said to me has not changed. <laughs> it might be them calling now if they're watching in the stream. No. <laughs> the, the, their perspective on me has not changed. What has changed is my perspective on the situation. What has changed is my perspective of myself. What has changed is my need for them to value me. What has changed is my need to find my value in God. And my need to know that God loves me as a son, just like he does for all of us here. You know, God's promise to the Israelites was to bring them back from captivity. And so I really want us to be encouraged that if we find ourselves on a journey where things seem to keep coming up against us or things are not panning out the way that we had planned them and every day seems like a struggle, then I want you to know and God wants you to know, do not worry because Matthew 16, 25 to 34, that whole scripture says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Just as a side note, anytime I see a bird... When I was playing golf, you know, there's lots of birds around. After reading the scripture, every time I see a bird picking something up off the ground or digging a worm out of the grass, I thank God that He is looking after that bird. Because this scripture says, Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? If God can provide a worm or something on the ground for a bird to eat so that it can be sustained, are you not much more valuable to God than the bird? If He can do that for the bird, then He can do anything for us in life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Next time you see a flower, just think about the concept of how beautiful that flower is and the fact that it did absolutely nothing to get that way. It just grew out of the ground through the will of God for our benefit, for the benefit of this world. Those flowers do nothing to be as beautiful as they are, but yet they are because that's how God made them. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now I know that that sounds like a bit of a rebuke from Jesus and it kind of is. And I've, I've spoken about this before. That word little faith, the Greek word, you didn't think you were going to get one today. The Greek word for little faith is oligopistos. And it's two words, oligos and pistis. Pistis means faith. Oligos means brief. So when Jesus is saying, you of little faith, really what he's actually telling us is you of brief faith. Now, I don't know if my faith is strong enough to last 70 years. But what I do know now, looking back over the last three or four or five years or even the last two years, is that my faith is strong enough to last two years. And because it lasted those two years, I can stand here today and I can get choked up at the promises that God has for me because I can see. I can see the promised land. I know it's there. And at some point in time, there was nothing but darkness and I couldn't see anything. But in those times, in the darkness, I chose to praise God and to not give up hope and to not cast it aside and to not be distracted by all of the other things that I could have been distracted from. Worry and doubt because my God is bigger than all of those things. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That is incredible. We worry so much about what tomorrow will bring. But God knows what we need. He knows what we need. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God first and He will take care of whatever you need. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that is a promise from God. Both things, do not worry about tomorrow, because each day has enough worry of its own. You know, it, it made me think actually just through the prayer meeting earlier. If God's message to us is do not worry, then it would only make sense that one of the tools the enemy uses to distract us and to intimidate us is to cause us to worry, is to plant seeds of worry in our mind. So choosing not to worry and I say that deliberately if we choose by faith to cast our worries and our fears aside then we are choosing faith in God that He has everything under control and at the end of the day like that song that we sang earlier there's nothing that can stop our God 
There is nothing that can stop our God. So I want us to be encouraged. And I want us to sing this song. We're going to have the musos come up. my encouragement to you if you if you have been through hard times and you are on the other side of that then praise God with thanks for what you have been through but if you were in the middle of a storm if you are surrounded by darkness if you don't know what tomorrow will bring and you are stressed and worried about what the future holds then I want to encourage you more than anything to stand and to praise God because you are here today you have air in your lungs the birds of the air have food that they did not work for you are worthy you are loved you are valued you are the reason that Jesus came to this earth you are the reason that he hung on that cross Not so that we can be stressed to our eyeballs day in, day out, worrying about what the future will hold, but so that you can praise our Lord and Saviour who hung on that cross for us so that we do not need to worry about what the future will hold. That all above anything else, that we seek God, that we seek God first. And all of these things that our Father knows that we need will be added to your life. And I just want to say this in closing. I know what it's like when you are fixated on God to answer a specific prayer that you feel needs to be answered. And you feel in your mind that you know what the answer needs to be. I have been there. But let me encourage you. What we think is the answer most likely is not part of God's plan and he has a greater and bigger plan that only ever comes to fruition when we can look at it through the benefit of hindsight trust God in the darkness keep putting one foot in front of the other don't worry about what tomorrow will bring because God is amazing and he cares about